Welcome to Talking Robots, the podcast with an inside view on the science, technology, and business of intelligent robotics. Hi, I'm Sabine Howard from the Laboratory of Intelligent Systems at the EPFL in Lausanne, Switzerland. Today we'll be talking to Rudolf Banasch from the Technical University in Berlin, Germany. Usually, when scientists have the opportunity to wander around in nature, it's to have a break. Well, not for Rudolf. When he sees an animal, perhaps a penguin during one of his expeditions in the Antarctic, he imagines new technologies which could be used in everyday engineering problems. With his bio-inspiration as a drive, he's creating new products through his startup Evologics and encouraging bionic design through European networks. Hi, Rudolf. Welcome to Talking Robots. Hello. What is the field of bionics? Ah, the field of bionics is uh, to understand what kind of uh, genius invention nature has made, to test those inventions, to understand the principles behind, and then to translate them into technical applications. So can you give a couple of examples of what you've designed, which is based on a biological system? Oh, we have a wide range of difficult activities, uh, starting from aero and hydrodynamics. We have studied penguins and bird flight, and therefore uh, we have developed new uh, wing shapes with a, a looped wingtip uh, to reduce uh, tip vortices, uh, or let's say the drag of the wings. And we have uh, proceeded uh, in building uh, new propellers with a kind of ring shapes is, is um, let's say, the, the most efficient bird wing in our uh, understanding from the engineering point of view. Uh, we are working on uh, robots and we are working on underwater communication sensorics and uh, we are working on uh, systems to bring these uh, elements together. And we have also some new inventions or some very interesting new uh, findings from nature. For example, the fin ray effect, which was taken from the fishtail and which is uh, going to change our understanding and mechanics and gives rise to a multitude of new constructions and innovative uh, solutions for, let's say, self-adaptive grippers and other uh, things like uh, adaptive wings or even uh, the Manta, that is a project which uh, we are recently working on. Can you explain the process uh, between looking at an animal, finding something which is efficient and uh, bringing it back to technology with maybe an example? When you want to build let's say a penguin, for example, artificial penguin, you need everything. You need the materials, you need the hydrodynamics, you need uh, the control, you need um, uh, 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 a clever uh, behavior and and so on. And these things uh, should come together. And uh, then you become aware that uh, we have uh, to take a closer look on the genius inventions made by nature. And then step by step, you come up with uh, maybe really something interesting and and something uh, applicable in practice. And uh, to give you an example, uh, just I have mentioned the penguins. In this case, we have uh, spent a lot of time, many years in the Antarctic to study 
the energetics and the performance of these animals, we have found out that they have a extremely uh, extreme low drag coefficient. That means uh, the energy consumption for for swimming is so low uh, that even our practical engineers from the Shipbuilding Institute or even from the Institute of uh, um, Aerospace could not really believe in that. Uh, to give you an impression, the penguin is consuming krill uh, that is uh, kind of shrimps. Uh, and uh, one stomach contents, uh, that is approximately one liter or one kilogram of these shrimps, uh, would last for, for 180 kilometer swimming. We have calculated and measured. And uh, if you transfer it into technical terms, then it would mean if the penguin could uh, consume fuel, that means benzene instead of uh, krill. So one liter of that fuel would last for 1,500 kilometers swimming in the cold ice sea. And there is a, a tremendous adaptation which is coming from the, from the low drag of the body and it, working in conjunction with the elastic flippers, very efficient uh, wing-propelled uh, propulsion system. And um, uh, so we try to, to learn this, to understand these mechanisms, and then to abstract it step by step and bring it into technical application. We made a lot of experiments in the Shipbuilding Institute and uh, have measured the, measured the drag, and then in the, in the wind tunnel, penguin in the wind tunnel, uh, studying the boundary layer conditions and so on. And when we understood the mechanisms, then we could come up with some technical constructions, engineering constructions like uh, 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 new kind of airships and uh, also a new kind of underwater vehicles, autonomous underwater vehicles. So what comes first? Do you usually look at an animal, get an idea, and then bring this back to technology? Or do you have a specific engineering problem and then you go look for a solution in, in biological systems? Actually, we have both ways. Um, but the main thing is that you are familiar with both sides. First of all, you should know also the, the technical things, the technical applications and the uh, problems which uh, are... Uh, which has, exists in practical engineering. And then you can look, of course, for a solution nature has, has. And on the other hand, you may get also some inspiration from nature and then uh, look uh, where you can apply these new findings. For example, the Finray effect. That is uh, something uh, taken from the fishtail. The fishtail uh, has a very interesting feature, uh, friend of mine has found it when he was fishing in Norway. He came back and said, hey, Dr. Vanish, everything is wrong with your textbooks. Uh, if you take a fishtail in your hand and press it from the side so it doesn't move uh, away from your finger, it, uh, it bends towards the forces. And that is uh, really strange. And we have uh, analyzed this and we have uh, discovered the principle and then we could transfer it into uh, new uh, uh, structural solutions. We started with adaptive profiles for, let's say, a human-powered um, boat, and then uh, with a with a fin at the at the end of the boat. But then uh, we were thinking, yeah, can we do apply it to other uh, yeah, interesting uh, tasks? Uh, for example, uh, can we use it for grippers, or can we uh, use it for an Backrest for a chair, which uh, adapts to the body of a, of a human, 
or whatever. And uh, so we came up uh, with a lot of different solutions recently. And that is, um, I think, what is um, also very interesting with the new bionic approach, that we are not only copying or looking at the uh, at the um, direct uh, analogies uh, between uh, nature and uh, engineering, but we start uh, to invent and uh, to use these elements in a creative way to combine, recombine it, and uh, to find uh, also absolutely new ap applications. How are these bio-inspired designs better than what an engineer would have come up with? Oh, I would not say that is better. Uh, that is just an alternative approach or, uh, let's say, complementary approach. Uh, both things should go together. It is not that bionics can uh, uh, replace the conventional uh, engineering approach, but it brings us uh, to some really optimal solutions for a particular uh, for particular boundary conditions, and we have to learn uh, about the scale effects uh, which may might be involved, and we have to learn how to translate these findings then into the materials and dimensions applicable in practical engineering, and this is a, a you know, very creative process. But uh, bionics can help um, to let's say improve the starting position. Uh, for further engineering development, and it can help also uh, to find an entry into uh, new solutions which are innovative or, or can also open up the mind, help to open up the mind to go even further than uh, the recent um, development, uh, developments um, in, in, uh, found in engineering or even further than the developments which have made in, in, in the nature. For example, I have mentioned the the, uh, the bionic propeller, which was derived from the bird wings, uh, from studies on the uh, staggered and splitted primary feathers, which are aimed to, uh, to reduce the tip vortices and also the noise of uh, the wing. And, uh, you know, you can follow this line, but you cannot have a multitude of uh, winglets at the end of the wing. Uh, nobody can build it in engineering. Uh, nobody would like to have uh, such a multitude of winglets uh, at that place. Uh, you can, but you can simplify the structure. When you go a step further and we have inverted the structure, we used uh, the enveloping curve finally and made that as a lifting line or a structural uh, part and the, uh, then throwing the inner part of this, uh, uh, the, the multitude of these uh, uh, feathers away. And we came up with a very simple ring-like uh, or loop-like uh, Construction and that is, um, I think, uh, even a step further than uh, nature could make. But the difference is, of course, n nature could not go that way uh, to build ring-like propellers or this this um, um, uh, yeah ring-like uh, uh, wingtip shapes because uh, every bird would would stick to the next tree in the in the forest or it could not fold the wings and there are many other restrictions which uh, do not exist in our practical application. So in any way, we have to adapt the solutions we have found in nature. Uh, to our special task and our um, uh, boundary conditions. 
And that means uh, we have to go uh, to a further process of optimization, let's say a kind of artificial evolutionary uh, process. You've also applied bionics to, to robots, huh? Uh, with the flying and swimming uh, manta ray and the bionic humanoid arm. Uh, could you briefly give us an idea of what these, these robots are? Yeah, our understanding of uh, robotics is a bit different and uh, from, uh, or differs from, from most of the approaches uh, we see in, uh, in uh, recent developments. Because uh, we try to implement the new aspects like elasticity. Uh, we want uh, to make uh, these robots as smart as possible from the very beginning. And we start, what we start with is a mechanical construction to look at this, uh, to make it uh, yeah, as efficient as possible and uh, to bring it close to the functions uh, we want to achieve. And then slowly, step by step, to put sensors in and uh, uh, actuators and so on to animate these things. And then uh, step by step coming uh, to, to more complex solutions. Uh, recently, we see, for example, also some, some other approaches coming from the informatics. People have uh, uh, studied uh, the, the walk of spiders, uh, how spiders uh, work walk and uh, are walking and uh, or uh, stick insects and so on and uh, then they try to transfer it into robots which have the size of uh, two meters or so and that uh, causes uh, or they are running into mechanical problems and uh, we try to understand first the, the mechanical platform and then step by step to uh, bring other Parts in and uh, the idea is uh, is a minimalistic idea uh, to achieve our goal with a minimum of material, a minimum of control, and a minimum of energy. And uh, here we have found some very interesting uh, new uh, approaches. By uh, we have got some new elements like uh, the pneumatic uh, or fluidic muscle, uh, which gives us a really good force uh, and is uh, very light. And we are also applying the Finray effect, uh, which I have mentioned before, uh, to simplify the structure of the hand, for example, uh, to build new grippers or so, and, uh, uh, or even uh, to bring it into uh, more organic construction like uh, the artificial mandaray. And that was something really inspiring me because... I have spent uh, many time uh, with aerodynamics and, uh, as I told before, bird flight, swimming, and I was diving uh, together with Mantas. I had the, the big chance to do that, and that was really challenging to be surrounded by these huge and elegant animals. And uh, in that moment, I thought, okay, we must build those things. This is a perfect interaction of an uh, wholly elastic body with the environment. And, uh, but having in mind uh, the Finray effect, so we could find a really elegant and uh, minimalistic solution to solve these problems. Before I've, I know some 
colleagues of mine uh, working in Japan, for example, they are working on a similar task, but they are using cascades of hydraulic uh, cylinders and actuators, and they are puzzled uh, since many years uh, to find uh, an algorithm to do uh, to program the whole thing to get a uh, uh, more organic or manta-like uh, uh, kinematic in uh, uh, in, in swimming. But uh, uh, in this case, we thought, okay, let's have everything elastic with a minimum of actuators. One actuator per wing or tail, so we have three actuators. And the rest should be uh, shifted only to, uh, to the uh, elasticity and the intelligent interaction between the materials, the structures, and the hydrodynamic forces. And this was a challenging task. And uh, I think we could solve that in a, in a pretty fine way. And uh, the performance our artificial manta shows, which, uh, make a, which is able to make uh, sharp turns and loops and uh, crude maneuvers, that is really uh, uh, convincing, I think. You're also the founder of a successful startup named Evologics, which sells products of your bionic design. Uh, first of all, do you enjoy the business experience? Oh, yeah. That is uh, really uh, the next uh, challenging uh, step in my life. Uh, starting from biology, then turning into an engineer, and now uh, we have to deal also with the management. And uh, But it's uh, very interesting that there's a innovative management, and we are doing... Um, uh, uh, we are focused mostly uh, on research and development in our company, but we have also some uh, products coming out uh, step by step. And the, uh, I think the, the core competence of the Evologics company that is uh, underwater communication, because apart from penguins sea turtles, mandas, and uh, albatrosses, and so on, uh, we, are, we are working also on dolphins. And uh, dolphins uh, show, do not show only uh, an excellent hydrodynamic performance. They are also very clever in view of underwater communication. And they can communicate under circumstances where all our technical systems uh, fail so far. That is especially in the shallow water. We have a, a stratification in the water, temperature layers, and a multitude of reflections, a so-called multipass scenario, uh, and a lot of noise. And, and uh, the technical pro uh, systems they are usually focused on a, on a quite narrow band, uh, uh, yeah, na uh, yeah, narrow band signals, and um, uh, the the. Radio, I must say, radio communication does not work underwater. People have uh, to use uh, acoustic signals only. And um, these uh, acoustic signals these, uh, come up with a, or come together then with a multitude of echoes and so on. This is very difficult, uh, a very difficult task to, to get rid of these uh, disturbances. And uh, we have found the dolphins are making a very simple trick. They are singing. They permanently change the frequencies, and when the echoes are coming, they are already in another frequency range. And uh, listening to the melody, uh, you can get rid of all these uh, 
these bad influences from from noise and and echoes and so on and uh, so we thought okay let's try to build uh, a singing modem actually we needed that to control our uh, artificial penguin uh, underwater and also to control the mantras and so on and then we have uh, uh, built those those modems and uh, uh, it's uh, comes up that uh, singing is not only uh, a measure to transport information, but it's also very useful to get rid of these uh, physical problems. And we can solve uh, all, all these things, and we have um, built modems which are able to uh, transmit pictures, large files, or voice, or whatever, by using this uh, uh, dolphin-like uh, signals as a carrier signal, and then uh, putting um, uh, more tiny modulations uh, on these carriers. How is the market for bionic products? I mean, are investors ready to put money into into novel ideas such as singing modems? Uh, that is a uh, yeah, that is a difficult uh, question yes uh, i think there are many companies interested in the bionic approach the bionic approach is uh, uh, let's say sexy for the marketing uh, it sounds a little bit green and uh, uh, fine and uh, in contact with nature everything is fine but if you have a closer look uh, so there is only there are only a few, very few products which have really this uh, bionic background and which are coming from studying uh, natural phenomena uh, in detail in uh, what we understand uh, the bionic approach is. And uh, I think um, uh, in case of Evologix, we have uh, you know, some partners working together with us, with us, but the underwater communication systems we have built completely on our own and uh, other products uh, which come on to the market in the, in the next will come to the market in the next few months i hope at the end of this year or beginning next year as these were developed uh, together with uh, big companies or for these companies and that will be uh, something not only on the very high tech level but also in the area of uh, you know, for the for the customers and let's say for for everybody uh, uh the only word i, I cannot uh, tell you exactly what it is because uh, uh, um, i have to take it the secret but i will tell you only that we will bring uh, bionics into everybody's mouths. Let's talk a bit about the future now. What do you see as the most promising areas of research in bionics for the next 20 years? Oh, that is, uh, there is, I think, no limitation because nature is working at all levels simultaneously. Starting from the molecular level, we see a tremendous progress in the micro and nano technology recently in this area with a multitude of uh, new uh, laws coming up and uh, new uh, findings like uh, uh, how to use uh, the molecular forces 
for example, and uh, how, uh, um, let's say, a gecko sticks to a window and so on. And uh, we see the self-cleaning effect. And then we come up with also new structural solutions. And we, you can climb up the, the whole uh, system uh, coming up uh, with intelligent behavior and uh, yeah, evolutionary organization of uh, communication processes and Internet and so on, auto-routing. You will find a, a very interesting uh, uh, ideas uh, nearly at every level. And uh, I think the most challenging part, uh, yeah, thing with that is, uh, first of all, recently we get a lot of new or a lot of new technologies become available, which give us a chance uh, to produce those things. And uh, on the other hand, uh, the um, technical uh, development becomes more and more organic. All the, the um, devices surrounding us become more and more organic, more intelligent. And I think there is a, a con converging uh, development that uh, people want to have uh, more smart uh, systems, more intelligent systems, and uh, they want to have uh, soft systems and, and ultralight and uh, with uh, uh, good materials which uh, have uh, which have a nice touch and, and and smell and so on. So there are many uh, uh, features where we can uh, find uh, the. Um, let's say a synergy between uh, the bionic or biological approach and the engineering approach, and I think the future of um, really engineering is more a bionic uh, world, because we want to have let's say smart robots in our house doing the, the house cleaning or window cleaning and so on. Many of the tasks we are doing recently now, and. Uh, uh, we uh, we may have a chance to contribute a little bit uh, to come a bit closer to these ideas. And what are the main challenges in bionics for the future? The main challenging, I think that is a, a human-robot or human-machine interaction. To have a, a symbiotic life between uh, engineering products and real yeah, animals, humans, and so on. Uh, we want to have an organic engineering, if you, if you like. Uh, I would call it in more organic engineering. And I think this is a most challenging task uh, to bring that together, the interaction, the interface between man and engineering. In all areas of robotics now, how do you think robotics will have changed our life in the, in the next 50 years, let's say? Uh, robotics, I think uh, there is a fast development uh, exactly to these more smart uh, uh, creatures. Uh, recently, most of the robots you can see in industrial applications and they are surrounded um, uh, you know, by fences in order to keep the man away from that. Uh, I think the, the next step will be uh, close interaction between robots and uh, uh, men. And recently, these robots, uh, they are quite dangerous. So heavy masses, uh, very strong and uh, dangerous and, and fast movements and so on. Uh, apart from this, we need uh, more elegant uh, uh, constructions which can live in the society of people which
which uh, do not cause any harm or, or danger to, let's say, little children, older people, and so on, uh, just to have uh, uh, yeah, a good... Uh, just to live together with with those things uh, without being afraid or being uh, uh, becoming crashed or, or, or damaged or injured, and uh, I think this is a very interesting task. Thanks, Rudolf, for being here with us on Talking Robots. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Talking Robots with Rudolf Banash on Bionic Design. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you in two weeks. Talking Robots, the inside view on robotics. For more information on past and upcoming podcasts, visit our website at lis.epfl.ch.